2: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, working to prepare the next generation of teachers, counselors, and educational leaders through online graduate degrees and hybrid doctoral programs. Details at
1: education.olemiss.edu.
3: Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, June 13th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, charter schools may be increasing their numbers across the state. Find out if one could be coming to your area. In our story course segment, a conversation about transgender coming of age in Mississippi. And Medicaid provides access to care for children across the state, but for how long?
1: Medicaid eligibility is based on income in part, and this may reflect that there are more people of low incomes in a, in a state like Mississippi than many other states around the country.
3: That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. groups hope to bring school choice to more Mississippi families. Charter school organizations in Canton, Clarksdale, Drew, and Magnolia are one step closer to getting official authorization. If approved, they would be the first charter schools located outside the capital city. There are four approved charter schools in Jackson. None of the applicants currently operate a charter school, which could cause some people to have doubts. The Mississippi Charter School Authorizer Board will hold a public hearing on each proposal. Tommy Carden is a member of the Authorizer Board. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware the applicant groups are all based in Mississippi.
2: There are four different groups, uh, all of whom are local operators, and that is operators who are in the state of Mississippi. They're not from outside of the state, and they've advanced... To the third stage of the process, uh, which means their application has has been deemed complete and they're now ready to proceed forward to the final stage of the application process.
4: And so what is that final stage? Final
2: stage consists of um, a review of their application, particularly with regard to the curriculum, plan that they are proposing um, the transportation food services plan that they would be proposing
5: and um,
2: other characteristics of the operation of the school there will also be a an in-person interview with the applicant and um, members or representatives of the applicant and then there will be an analysis and recommendation by uh, our team of evaluators to the board as to whether or not to approve the applications.
4: Why is that step important in selecting what schools could be approved? It's extremely important
2: because that's when the application receives the most scrutiny. And it's, it's very important because the academic plan that the applicant proposes is absolutely critical to determining whether or not the charter schools should be allowed to operate.
4: What are the areas of the state that these schools are would be operating?
2: One is in Clarksdale. The other is in Sunflower County. The other is in Pike County. And the other one is in Canton.
4: How important is it that these four locations are outside of the Jackson area?
2: Well, I think it's significant because it demonstrates that there's interest beyond uh, the Jackson area for the existence of charter schools, and it will afford uh, children in other areas of the state opportunities that otherwise they might not have.
4: These organizations have not previously already been running a charter school. How does that affect the selection process?
2: We're not looking so much as to whether they have run one in the past or or not, as we are trying to determine whether or not they demonstrate the capacity and the ability to effectively run a school, uh, given whatever their background and expertise may be. I think the question is, because they haven't run one, are they equipped, and do they have the requisite knowledge and skills to effectively operate a charter school Um, since they haven't run one in the past.
4: What are some of the main things that you're looking for that will show that ability to run a school?
2: We're looking for um, a comprehensive knowledge and understanding of academic curriculum. We're looking at financial expertise and ability to understand how to operate a school financially responsible way. We're also looking at the knowledge and expertise to effectively operate the systems such as transportation, food services, and and other related activities um, to the overall operation of the school.
4: Tommy Carden is with the Mississippi Charter School Authorization Board. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you, Alexis. Amanda Johnson
3: is the lead founder of the Clarksdale Collegiate Public Charter School. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware about the approval process.
6: Clarksdale Collegiate is currently in the second stage of the application process with the Mississippi Charter School um, Authorizer Board. So essentially that means that we submitted a letter of intent and we were invited to apply, turned in the application uh, in early May and have cleared the first round or the first stage in which It was a completeness check to ensure that we had all of the pieces of the application there. Um, And in stage two, it'll be more of a quality review about the substance of the application. So at the moment, I am continuing to build community support for Clarksdale Collegiate, having individual meetings with community members, parents, organizations, and continuing to tell people about Parkville Collegiate and ask for community input um, as we continue to build the school.
4: Why is it important for you to have that community involvement? We are definitely um, wanting to build a school
6: that the community wants. There are some things that we definitely see a need for, um, but I think there are a variety of ways of accomplishing or solving for the need um, that exists within our community. Um, and our, our parents, our community members, our students have a lot of input that can really help drive the school and make it a school that the community is really proud of. So, we definitely want to make sure that we are hearing from the community and, and creating a school that takes into consideration the community's interests and needs.
4: So, why do you think that the Clarksdale community needs a charter school or could benefit from a charter school?
6: If you look at the statistics in Mississippi in general, um, you'll notice that um, many of our students who are graduating from high school across the state are, are not college ready, uh, meaning that, you know, if they were to continue on to college, they many times have to take remedial courses, which can delay or prevent students from ultimately graduating um, within that four years or five or six years even. And so, essentially, we've seen the need throughout the Delta, including within Clarksdale, ensuring that students are being prepared um, to have a choice, a college as an option for them um, once they finish high school. So we are interested in being a part of the solution within our community and ensuring that all of our students are ready for college and career when they leave our schools.
4: What has been the community reaction to the development of the school? So we've had a
6: lot of great support, definitely a lot of questions, just trying to figure out what charter schools are and what will make our school different than what is already available here in town and so there's definitely been some excitement there have been some questions and then there are definitely some who are interested in ensuring that the traditional schools within Clarksville are improved as well and so it's been a mix of review but i'm really excited about the folks who are supportive of the school.
4: What has been the concern that a new charter school would take away from the traditional public schools in such a small community?
6: Um, Well, I don't think it's any different than the concern in other communities, essentially saying that a charter school could potentially take away from the commitment to the traditional district schools. But I think the interesting piece is that our population is declining here in the Delta for the past, I don't know, 10 years or more. And when you talk to individuals, a lot of times education is part of that and the quality of the schools. And so we want to be a part of what stops that decline. And we want to be a part of what changes it from uh, a decrease in population to individuals saying, you know, because this great school is here, I want to stay here and be a part of this community and and potentially improve the community in other areas.
4: Amanda Johnson is the founder of Clarksdale Collegiate Public Charter School. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. No problem. Thank you.
3: The final decision on whether any of the four proposed schools is approved will be in September. Coming up, the findings of a new report show more than half of Mississippi children now have access to health care through Medicaid. That's after our story course segment. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
6: Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org.
1: Blossom Brown is a transgender Mississippian. In this Mississippi StoryCorps conversation, she tells her friend Justin Glover about the different parts of her transition from knowing as a child she was different to coming out to her mother.
0: It was hard. It was a little harder on my family because we didn't always get along. We've come such a long way. Me and my mom, especially. Yeah, because it seemed like. My dad was okay with it, but she wasn't. And she looked she would look on my Facebook page and see that I was dressing because I started dressing when I was at the age of twenty. Oh wow! But I kept it a secret from her since then. Like I would leave the house dressing girl clothes, you know. Before I got back, I would change in my car. I was back in boy clothes, and I got sick of that. And I thought to myself, I can't go twenty, thirty, forty, fifty more years doing that. So I went ahead Jeez. and came out. I've realized since I was little that I was trans. Like, I would never forget. I told my uh, kindergarten music teacher, my name is Brittany. And, of course, she actually would call me that. But, of course, the students were like, that ain't your real name. And I realized something, though, even though my name is Blossom now, that... I have this fascination with the letter B for uh-huh. some strange reason. Because I was like, I was doing that when I was little. Uh-huh. And, you know, I named my name Blossom after the TV show Blossom, uh-huh. which stars Mayim Bialik. Uh-huh. It's on Big Bang Theory, which I love, by the way. Uh-huh. And so, you know, um, growing up, I would secretly play with my sister's dolls. Right. I would be around my mom when she would do their hair. I never wanted to do much with my dad and my brother. Anything I would do, I would have to kind of, you know what I mean, just to kind of go along with it. (laughs) I didn't know what transgender was until up and about after high school, so I didn't know what was going on. I knew nothing about any other genders. I just knew boy and girl. And so up until around the age of 20, I just kind of was like, okay, this is what I am. I've been this way for a long time. And so I started ordering hormones across overseas over in Europe. I would take my refund money from school. Right. And, like, if I pay everything off, whatever whatever I had left over, I would go and get done. And in your body. Yeah. And I did it six times within a, yeah, a two-year span. And I haven't gotten anything else done in five years. Really, I was blessed that um, nothing dangerous happened with my health. But, yeah, especially you know,
5: since all that stuff happened in Jackson with injections. and Yeah.
0: I, originally, I was going to see her, but...
5: So, uh, just to... Do you want to illustrate? Do you want to
0: tell? Yeah, originally, but it just didn't work out because she wasn't into... Doing new girls.
5: So that, there was a, a person in Jackson who was doing that, like, sort of black market plastic surgery yeah. and ended up... Oh, the patient died, right?
0: Yeah, and, and uh,
5: so... Because it was, like, some back alley lady doing, I guess, silicone? Yeah,
0: silicone, yeah. And, and um,
5: somebody got an infection and died, and that person got prosecuted for it. But, you know, yeah. a lot for a lot of trans people, you can't just call up a plastic surgeon because that costs hella money, yeah, you know? Yeah, because when you
0: first come again as trans, the only thing you're thinking about is your survival and right. your body work. Right. And so... This is kind of where gender dysphoria kind of comes in, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like this disgust for your body, but you want to align your outside body with who you feel you are on the inside. And so the hormones, the silicone are just a few ways that you can go about doing that. And at that time, when I first came out, I was picked on because I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? I'm so tall. I'm six foot three. That's tall, really tall for a girl. I looked horrible when I look back at it. And so, you know, I was kind of pushed and pressured to get things done. And, luckily, I never got anything done on, like, my face or anything like Mm -hmm. that. But it was hard. I would cry about it when guys would find other girls attractive. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I started trying to do the sex work thing Mm -hmm. or whatnot. But I completely bombed at it because. Oh, baby. Yeah, because people were like, what are you doing out here? They would tell me all the time, you're interfering with our hustle. I had to get away from it because I was like, this is just not me. I got back in school, and, you know, my education has been one of my main focus points since then. Mm -hmm. It just inspires me to keep going and going.
5: If you had to put it in just a few words, your, like, overarching message, your overarching sensibility that you really want to impress upon people. Like, right now and then going into this next year where you're really clearly just going to take off, you know? Yeah. Um, What do you want that message to be?
0: I want it to be be yourself, express yourself, love yourself. Stop worrying what other people think bad about you. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're gay, you're straight, you're queer, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Love who you are.
5: How are you loving who you are right now?
0: Oh, gosh. I think just by being myself, maybe inspiring people and Mm -hmm. having them inspire me back. Living my life It is very hard on transgender people, period. You know what i mean and i hope that we fit into society well at one while i thought that my story was done in vain because no one would listen no one would understand my struggles and i had to learn that patience was the key mm-hmm. so my overall message to everyone is just first of all love each other and just be who you
1: are to hear more of our conversations from the story mobile tour go to mpbonline.org the StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
4: Mississippi Public Broadcasting presents Shape Up and Read, a family fun day, Saturday, June 17th from 9 till 2 at the Jackson Convention Complex. Enjoy a live Bob the Builder mini show and meet your favorite PBS and MPB characters. Many hands-on learning activities and resources will be provided. Sign up for this free community event at mpbonline.org slash summerlearning. Made possible by a Ready to Learn grant provided by the U.S. Department of Education to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
3: Children living in Mississippi's rural communities have greater access to health care through Medicaid coverage. The Georgetown University Health Policy Institute conducted a study on small towns and rural areas. They found 60% of children in the state's small towns are covered by Medicaid. That rate is one of the highest in the nation. The uninsured rate for children in rural Mississippi is 4%. That's more than the national average of 3%. Still, it is an improvement for the Magnolia State. It's down from 11% six years ago. Jack Hoadley helped author the report. He tells us how coverage could change if the Affordable Care Act is eliminated.
1: So the idea is we really wanted to take a look at the role that Medicaid and CHIP play in providing coverage for children and adults, but do a particular focus on small towns and rural areas across the country. So we provided Uh, numbers on the the role that Medicaid and CHIP play in every county around the country, but again, with a particular focus on the small towns and rural areas. And what we found was that, you know, in a state like Mississippi, 60% of children in rural areas and small towns get their health coverage through Medicaid. And that's that's one of the highest numbers in the country. But also, if you compare it to the urban areas in Mississippi, 46% of kids get their health coverage through Medicaid. So it's a it's a big, important program in both parts of the state. But not everybody may realize that it's actually more important in rural areas than small towns.
3: Is the 60 percent of children on Medicaid, is that an increase over previous years?
1: It is an increase from 50 percent back in 2008, 2009. So the 60 percent figure is for 2014 and 15. uh, And that's gone up about 10 points over that six-year period. So that's a really important sign of how the role of Medicaid is is becoming more and more important in a state like Mississippi.
3: You said that the number of children in Mississippi uh, on Medicaid, 60%, is one of the highest in the nation. What about children living in poverty? Is there a direct correlation there?
1: There definitely is. I mean, Medicaid eligibility is based on income, uh, in part. And so... You know, this may reflect that there are more people of low incomes in a in a state like Mississippi than many other states around the country. And also, it may be one of the factors that drives the difference between the rural and small town areas and the more urban areas. There may be more people at low incomes living in rural areas and, and small towns, but it also is a reflection of differences in, in things like the job market if you're in an area that has opportunities to get insurance through the workplace, and that may be more common in a in a city than in a town uh Then you may have less need for Medicaid than if you are working on a farm or working for a small hardware store uh in a small town as opposed to working in a car factory or or some other kind of larger business that may offer health insurance.
3: There had to be challenges in gathering this data because you're looking at rural areas and Mississippi being a very rural state. I'm wondering if you have any idea how many poor families might be falling through the cracks that you couldn't identify as not being on Medicaid, although they would certainly qualify to be.
1: We're using uh, federal census data as the basis for our analysis. But part of what you know your question really points to is that there may be people who are eligible for Medicaid we're not taking advantage of it because they just don't find out about it or they're concerned about it or they're not well educated about it. So, you know, one of the things that we also are able to show is that the rate of uninsured children in rural and small town Mississippi has gone down over that same time period from 11% of all children to 4% of all children in rural and small town areas. And so that's really a sign of great success. But even among that 4%, we don't know whether some of them may in fact be eligible for Medicaid coverage if we could just get the word out to
3: them. For those states that expanded Medicaid, and Mississippi is not one of them, there was no Medicaid expansion in Mississippi. Did that uh, expansion in turn enroll more people in Medicaid?
1: It did. And that's particularly among the adults. So you know nationally, we saw a cut in the uninsured rate in expansion states of eleven percentage points in small towns and rural areas in those states uh whereas the drop in non expansion states was only six percent so you know we've we've seen gains in insurance coverage in both kinds of states, but we've seen. A greater difference in those expansion states. So even in Mississippi, we've seen the rate of uninsured adults in small towns and rural areas drop from 27 percent to 21 percent. And Medicaid coverage, this is again for adults, Medicaid coverage grow from 14 to 16 percent. But if Mississippi had chosen to accept the Medicaid expansion, we would see much stronger results based on what we've seen in other states.
3: For the number of people who enrolled in the insurance exchange. Did that reduce the roles of Medicaid?
1: There's some trade-off between Medicaid and the insurance exchanges. We did not sort of look at those specific trade-offs in this report. There would certainly be some people who given the opportunity to buy insurance through the exchange with a subsidy would find themselves able to cover themselves through that kind of insurance rather than Medicaid, especially in a state like Mississippi that did not expand Medicaid. So those are trade-offs that people are making.
3: Do you know what the effects might be? I guess this is taking the data from your report with the possible elimination of the Affordable Care Act.
1: So that's a real concern. If the Affordable Care Act were eliminated, it would actually change the Medicaid program in some really fundamental ways that would take a lot of money out of the Medicaid program. And one of the ways they would do that is to cap the money that's spent on Medicaid and send that capped amount, that reduced amount, to the states and say to a state like Mississippi, okay, you've got to figure out how to serve those families that are getting Medicaid coverage with a smaller budget. And Mississippi would have to make really important choices between simply taking people who currently get Medicaid coverage and saying, sorry, you're no longer on the Medicaid rolls, Or to try to say, well, we're going to try to keep everybody on, but we're going to do it by reducing what you get. So maybe we'll take away your drug coverage, but at least keep you with coverage for your hospital care. Those are the kinds of trade-offs that a state like Mississippi and every other state around the country would do under the proposals that we're seeing in Washington to cap the amount of money that goes to the states. And this is going to be a real challenge for how to maintain a healthy program and a healthy community um, if that happens. And the ripple effect goes even further because it has an effect on the hospitals, on the pediatricians, on the health clinics that serve these people.
3: Jack Hoadley is a research professor at the Georgetown University McCourt School of Public Policy. Thank you very much for giving us details of this report.
1: Thank you for giving me the opportunity.
3: And according to the report, access to health care in childhood improves long-term health, educational, and economic outcomes. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10 o'clock, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB public media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.
2: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, working to prepare the next generation of teachers, counselors, and educational leaders through online graduate degrees and hybrid doctoral programs. Details at education.olemiss.edu.